The following podcast uses words that lawyers don't use in court, even though they're thinking them. Hello and welcome to episode 334 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. This will air on Monday, January 24th. Uh, The February LSAT is getting closer. It's going to start the week of February 12th. The March LSAT registration deadline is even closer. That's going to be Thursday, February 3rd. Um, Really, if you're taking the March LSAT, it's because you're thinking about applying in 2022, not um, starting law school in 2022. In most cases, If you're trying to take, yeah, in in the vast majority of cases, I guess today we had someone who is taking March and probably going to start in 2022. But for the vast majority of people out there, hopefully you're signing up for the March LSAT to turn around and apply in this September and then go to school the following September. Anyways. Um, How was Cleveland? Uh, or wait, let's talk about what we did on the show. And then I want to, I want to hear about uh, Cleveland. So yeah. we had three long emails today, huh? <laughs> That's right. So three long emails. The first one was from a seven sage um, student, I, I presume who was using their p- platform and whatever was providing some kind advice to someone else and went through a lot of, I don't know, things that we would think are not good ways of studying for the test, but then came around to a advice that could come from the podcast. So yeah, just after an unfortunate, like six months struggle, it looks like or longer. With a, yeah. Who knows <laughs> a lot of over technical stuff. And then finally realized like read carefully and figure it out, yep. <laughs> which is figure ultimately our main advice. Uh, yeah. So that was, that was cool. The second one we had, uh, we had an email from Hennessy who does teach for America in St. Louis. And it was, uh, asking like, Hey, you know, what should I, this is killing me. COVID urban school district. Everything is all super hard and fucked up. Should I change jobs? Should I push off law school? Like how should I get there? And the good news for Hennessy is that she's got a cold diagnostic of a 158. And, um, I don't know. There's no reason why she, I think shouldn't be able to kind of put her job at arm's length a little bit. She was worried that that was going to hurt her application, but it's like, you got to focus on the important thing, which is taking care of yourself and making sure that you get the LSAT score. That's really going to get school's attention. That's, there's not, it's not more complicated than that. And, um, seems like Hennessy was letting her job commitments kind of like kill her, literally her life. (laughs) She said she was having physical and emotional health problems, uh, and struggling with her LSAT prep. And it's like, well, wait a second, Maybe, maybe you need to rearrange things like stop worrying about your application so much as take care of yourself so that you can get the right LSAT. Yeah. Um, and then finally we heard from John who's a veteran and had some candid advice for us and some questions. I don't know if it was a question really more, maybe just a comment about, um, why he's going to law school and the, uh, GI bill and how that works. And this other thing that I've never heard of before the VR and E, program or system? Yeah, there was a lot there. I mean, one of the, it was a caveat really like our advice about don't pay for law school. We need to remember that there are a, there's a pretty significant segment of the population who's going to be able to not pay for law school because they're going to use GI bill funds. Yeah. 
And uh, the advice does kind of change, including, you know, John's going to take the March LSAT and try to apply this year. We would never recommend that to anybody who's trying to get a scholarship, uh, which is the main way that people avoid paying for law school. But there's a pretty big chunk of people who are going to have Uncle Sam pay for law school. And uh, John has a ticking clock on those GI Bill benefits. And so he's going to have to kind of kind of push himself into an application this cycle. He also talked a little bit about uh, his motivations for, for why he's going to law school. And we got into some of that discussion. Cool. So you want to hear about Cleveland? Yeah, man. How was it? It was, it was cold. (laughs) (laughs) I can imagine. Yeah. Um, how was the volleyball tournament? Oh, it was great. It's like you go into this uh, convention center that's underground. Like you can see above the convention center, there's this huge grass field and you go underground and it's all like, you know, hot. It's warm at least. It's like a greenhouse? No, no. It's just, you know, I don't know. It's a heated Wait, convention but it's actually it's a, grass? It, well, there's grass on top of it. Oh, yeah, but oh, it's oh. underground. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like you have, you're walking up to this like field, right? You're walking up to a field and you're like, where's the convention center? On top of the convention center. I see. Yes, but they played. Kevin, sorry. Sorry. Oh, the grass field. Obviously, that's not volleyball. Sorry. No, no. <laughs> I'm dumb. <laughs> I'm not explaining myself clearly <laughs> enough here. So I walked up to the convention center, which is a grass field. And in and you go underneath that field, and there's the convention center. Got it, got it. And yeah. they and the, how cold was it, by the way, in Cleveland? Well, it's actually not that cold. That's the thing. I guess I was trying to get my mind wrapped around this a little bit. It's the same temperature that we're temperatures that we're experiencing here in DC, which is like somewhere between fifteen and thirty. Um, yeah, it's cold, but it's not like crazy here. I think the key difference is that you're right next to the lake. I don't know which one, but. The I think that makes the air moist, right? Hmm. So it's the cold and moist as opposed to cold and dry. Cold and dry is not that cold. Cold and moist, it's like, I don't know. It was coming in. I have a nice jacket, and I could feel it <laughs> everywhere. And it was windy, too, you know? So you're just like, geez, Louise. So anyways, um, but they did well in the tournament. It was fun to watch. It's all, you know, the intensity that these uh, travel teams bring to their sport is awesome. Didn't all the win? So. Uh, they, they, they got third in the silver bracket. So, and there's like, I don't know how many teams there, hundred, 120, maybe. So sounds great. Good. Yeah. Cool. Everybody had a good time. Yeah. It was fun. Yep. That is excellent. I, meanwhile, I was thinking about you a lot cause I have not had long pants on since last time I talked to you. Uh, <laughs> I'm still, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm still in Oahu. Uh, I, have no intention of going back while the weather is still cold. So yeah, I'm just kind of hanging out and I was, so you're, you're living in Hawaii. I was laughing. Well, I'm single and I work remote and I have no kids yeah. and I, like, yeah, there's, yeah. Like, I don't know. I, there's, you know, inertia is real, right? So when I was home in the <laughs> snow, I was like, yeah. I was just there and I didn't, I wasn't like super loving how it's freezing temperatures all the time. And then I just, boy, once I made the move now, once I got here and it's like, Oh wait, but now I'm here. Why would I mm. go? Why, <laughs> why would I go anywhere else? Um, I like not wearing shoes and, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I'm just, uh, hanging out for the time being I have, um, I might be here as much as like, 
12 more days, something like that. I got to go back uh, close at the end of the month. I have something I got to go do. So, okay. I won't be here forever. I'm not it also, I mean, it is boring. Like I, I got to say it's, uh, it's uh, especially these last few days, I've been kind of like on the North part of Oahu and it's, um, mm. there's just nothing going on. There's nothing up here. It's, uh, hmm. like it's the beach and that's it. And that's, did you fine. have any, uh, did you have any of the talking about boring, but maybe the opposite of boring? Did you have any waves from that uh, volcano? The, yeah, no, the Tonga thing, and the, no, there was a warning, and that's it. There, there was it, no, it's been nothing but just perfect. It it rains hmm. sometimes for forty five minutes in the afternoon. Wow, one every four days, but hmm. it's been like seventy nine degrees every day. <laughs> it's like just. Yeah, it's paradise. It really is. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah it's awesome. Um, okay, should we? Let's see. Oh, let's do it. I'm still doing oh, my study groups. Study groups, and everybody Good. should come and talk to me. Um, it's every other Thursday from at 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern. It's an open class where I lead a discussion that is focused on whatever the upcoming LSAT is. So right now it's the February 2022 LSAT study group. And, um, people ask me questions like, you know, should I sign up or should I withdraw or what should I do to prepare between now and then I always have some brief prepared remarks. And then it's mostly just a, a group, um, discussion. I also have uh, helpers there who can answer questions in the chat and stuff, uh, when the group gets big. So I, I think it's very useful. Um, haven't heard any I've only heard positive feedback about it so far and it's totally free. All you need is a demon free account. So LSATdemon.com cool. yeah. sign up for a free account and uh, come hang out with me every other Thursday. There's also like ridiculous benefits to a demon free account. Sure. Yeah. You get access to official LSAT questions that you can drill. You can do timed sections. You can then watch or read or both um, our explanations for those questions. So you are the second you get a free account, you can start learning the LSAT the way we want you to learn it, which is do a question, review it and get the best possible explanation you can get. And if you don't understand it still, you can hit the ask button, even though you're just a free student a free, have a free account and our ask team will get back to you. I think there's at least three weeks worth of content there. Like you, I, least, I think yeah. you could study an hour every day for the next three weeks for absolutely for free LSATdemon.com sign up for a free account, get to work. Like if you're taking this February LSAT coming up on February 12th, less than a month from now, uh, you could get for absolutely free. You could get tons of help from us yeah. videos and written explanations and real LSAT questions always, uh, including full tests. Um, with, with the, what we think is the best in the world explanations. So please take full advantage of those free resources. Um, con sucks. <laughs> like stop using your Khan Academy account and come use demon free instead. Like they make it look hard and we're going to make it look easy for you. So please. Yeah. It's just, it's not only not helping, it's actually hurting. Yeah. You. So you got to focus on it really is how you're using your time. Yeah. yeah. And we've worked hard on those resources and we, you know, we did it. Yes, we did it for marketing, but we also did it because we want to help people who can't afford 
to pay for LSAT prep. So, you know, we're glad that you listen to the podcast. We're glad that you, that you like the podcast, but for, it's not like a substitute really for LSAT studying. That was one of our emails that we talked about today. Um, you know, you, you can be doing actual LSAT questions with us for free, uh, at lsatdemon.com. So please check that out. Yep. Onto the show. Wow. So you want to tackle this first uh, email? Looks long. It's long. Um, <laughs> y'all can do us a bit of a favor if you just kind of, you got to shorten it down a little bit. There's no way that any email needs to be this long. Um, but anyway, it's a, it's a quote from a, a thing from Seven Sage apparently. So it says, uh, okay. this is from uh, Katya, and it says, I was reading through this post, and I couldn't help but think of LSAT Demon when I got to the end of this particular comment and saw the highlighted part. Um, but the whole post is, it's, you know, one seven sage user to another, I guess. And it's here, here's a summary slash recap of my logical reasoning journey. I started out at around minus seven. Mm -hmm. Phase one, learn the basics. I started using the LSAT trainer. After about three months of studying, I switched to seven sage. I'm already like skeptical because, you know, if you started at minus seven on LR, there's 25 questions in the section. So you're getting 18 of them, right? You're doing well compared to most people. <laughs> I don't see why you need three months of reading the LSAT trainer, which has advice we already fundamentally disagree with, including read the question before read the, before reading the passage. So yeah, I don't love this. Plan. How much basics do you possibly need if you're getting 18 out of 25? You've yeah, got- there's a lot of things you already understand intuitively, and now you're going to kind of like yep. mess with that. And I think that's the biggest problem with these like theoretical approaches, right? They take people who already basically get it. And the reason why these people basically get it is because the questions make sense on the page. I mean, if you read it carefully, they just make sense. Like you can figure them out with no prep. They're test. They're testing logic, which means <laughs> there's a rational reason for the answer, not some secret, you know, yeah. religious. <laughs> well, they're testing common sense mystery logic. Yeah, yeah. Not, you know, it, it's not this like arcane. Oh, if you didn't study this formal logic, then you're not going to get it. It's common sense. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, how do we explain people who just right out of the box score twenty or twenty two? points or whatever on logical reason. I did. I I never, I I don't have that great of an education. I didn't, I certainly didn't. I never took a philosophy course, not one. I never studied any formal logic, Yeah. but I'm a good reader and I read carefully and I expect to understand the things that I read. And if you, if you do that, then they just make sense. So this person is getting 18 out of 25 on a section of LR. And then they just sadly, you know, they get the LSAT trainer and then they start thinking, oh boy, okay, I bo- I've been doing this all wrong. I better, I got to go back to basics here. And oh yeah, I better read the question first and get all caught up in thinking about the question type first. 
before I even read mm-hmm. the damn argument. <laughs> and then, you know, yep. it's like, okay, so then <laughs> this phase one of learning the basics took three months and then switched to seven sage. And it just doesn't seem like there was any progress there during that three months of learning the basics. So yeah. <laughs> let's skip. There's that five phase phases. So. <laughs> yeah. And there's five We're phases right. in this whole process. It's like, wait a second, you should have been done by now. If you start at 18 out of 25, Man, three months of studying logical reasoning, you should be done. That should be all the phases. Yeah. Not three months of phase one. Jesus. Okay. Phase two, relearn the seven sage core curriculum. There was a lot (laughs) I didn't know. To master LR, you need to be completely fluent in logic. And they spelled it. You see the cute (laughs) spelling of logic? L-A-W-G-I-C, logic. Okay, funny. Cute. Cute. (laughs) Probably useless, but cute. I'm at the point where I don't think twice about translating a sentence or doing a tricky negation. If you're not at that point yet, I'd recommend doing a deep dive again to refresh yourself. Like, okay, how fucking long is this going to take? I don't know. <laughs> that's phase two. Phase one took three months. Phase two, we don't know how long that's going to take. You, you got to do. You got to. You got to learn the basics, then do a deep dive to refresh yourself. Okay. Phase three. This is all for seven points. <laughs> I know seven. Yeah, it's like, huh? Or you could have just studied one at a time the ones that you were missing, mm-hmm. and figured out why you were missing them instead of getting all formal with it. Ugh. Phase three, drill questions one through 15 timed. For those aiming above 170 plus, you should be able to finish the first 15 questions in 15 minutes. Wow, this advice just never dies. Yeah. Is it is it perpetuated by Seven Sage? Maybe Probably. it is. 10 questions in 10 minutes, 15 questions in 15 minutes. For all we know, you're going to start hearing 12 questions in 12 minutes. Some magic, I don't know, thinking there. Never, ever do that, y'all. Do not time yourself on partial sections. Do not worry about managing your time. All this is going to do is force you to race the clock and make those. You're gonna, all you're doing is going to make the easier questions hard because you're focusing on time. Maybe you should accidentally do the first 15 questions in 15 minutes, but you should not set a goal of doing the first 15 I don't, questions yeah. in 15 minutes. If someone does it in 15 minutes, well, congrats. But I would be surprised they'd even, well, they might notice. You know, you might glance up. But in theory, your uh, timer should be no, off anyway. You should so. have the clock off. You shouldn't be looking at the timer. You, it, <laughs> this is all so far just all bad advice. Yep. I started out being able to finish around 20 minutes. I just slowly moved the timer down each week until I got to around the 17-minute mark. For me, I'm comfortable with this benchmark because I actually find that my brain works a little faster on the harder questions. I think this is because I benefit from a warm up. <laughs> you know, I, some some harder questions are faster because they're shorter and if you understand them, they're not actually hard to you, so boom. No, you just the LSAT is easy faster. and <laughs> The easy ones are easy. The medium ones are easy. Even the hard ones are easy. It doesn't surprise me that you can get the hard, that you can go quickly sometimes through the harder ones. Absolutely. Also, there are easy ones in the last 10. 
you know, yeah. I mean, it's not a linear thing where like every single question is harder than the one before it on average, they get harder. Yeah. But they, Oh man, these poor people, like this is like so earnest, right? This is, this is somebody who's just genuinely trying to help somebody else. Absolutely. And this is their experience and their, their singular experience, right? And they're taking away little lessons from this experience and sharing it with others, which is great. It's nice, but, um, doesn't mean it's the best way. (laughs) Ready for phase four? Yep. Drill questions 16 through 25 untimed. Oddly specific. I don't know what's so special about the first 15. Right. Now people are going to have this weird fetish for like, okay, so one through 15, those are easy. And then 16 through 25, those are hard. Yep. I mean, on average, yeah, 16 through 25 is harder than 1 through 15. But on average, 13 through 25 is harder than 1 through 12. So like drawing the line on exactly number 15 is not doesn't make any sense. Anyway, this writer says, these are the hardest questions. Focus on getting them right at first before putting on the time. If these are questions you're consistently missing them, Missing them with time on won't do you any good to improve. But if that's the case, then that's also the case for questions 1 through 15. I mean, the thing we didn't say is how many of these questions are you missing in the first 15? You're doing the first 15 in 15 minutes, but you're missing a couple? That's not good. That's not what that's not good. That's not what we're looking for. Well, the weird thing is we're not even talking about we're this middle ground, actually. We're not saying do things untimed or do them timed and try to finish them within a certain amount of time. We're saying do things timed, but practice not worrying about the time. So when this correspondent says missing them with the time, or not the correspondent, this um, this this generous person, this person trying to help someone else says, missing them with the time on won't do you any good to improve. Um, yeah, I agree. Missing questions isn't ideal, but doing them with the time on, even if you don't finish is still good because you're getting good at letting go of that time, which is really hard for people. Yeah. People totally under misunderstand the purpose of timing yourself. The purpose of timing yourself is so that you can learn to ignore the clock. It's not so that you can go faster or race the clock. It's just it's just so that you can get used to it. Get used to the idea that you're a lawyer. Lawyers are careful. You're going to take your time and you're going to you're going to do good work. And if that means that, you know, five o'clock comes and you're not done yet. Well, guess what? Lawyers don't leave at five o'clock. And on the LSAT, I mean, it's okay if you run out of time because you just, you've got to get them right. The ones that you do, you have to get them right. And this, (laughs) so far, this hasn't said really anything about that until now, until now when we get to the harder questions that weirdly it's saying, okay, so these ones you should drill untimed. But if you missed any of the earlier ones, then this whole plan is stupid which people are going to do if they try to go faster, if they try to like force themselves to finish X questions in X minutes, then they're going to miss questions. It's it's just all terrible advice. Um, (laughs) Check this out. So we're drilling untimed, right? 
Ooh, this is bad. Once you feel you can get at least half of them correct, then start with the timer. Mm. Let's be clear about this. You're going to get one out of five of them right from just pure random guessing. If you're getting half of them correct, that would be two and a half out of five. You haven't really improved off of random guessing very much at all. I mean, not you're one third of the way there in terms of improvement from where you, you know, from random guessing to getting half of them right. That's that's a, that's just a, like it's an incremental improvement. Mm-hmm. And it's not like, that's not good. In fact, that's really, really bad. Like missing half of the questions is just not, you're just not understanding. Yeah. So then, okay. So now once you can get half of them, right, then you should start the timer. Cause you're doing, you're doing good now. So now you can time yourself. No, you keep what <laughs> you're missing half the questions. Yeah. Depending on your time for questions one through 15, you should have a little more than half the test left for these questions, which means you get to spend almost two minutes a question. Some questions <laughs> require three minutes. Or four. And some require 45 seconds. And that varies from person to person, depending on what they recognize as they're reading the passage and what they don't recognize. I mean, this is... Oh, like talking about time per question is just an invitation to stress people out. Ready for phase five? Uh, we, yeah, we're, we're not there yet. I <laughs> know. <laughs> phase five, drill entire sections with time. Rinse and repeat. Obviously should go without saying, but blind review is super important. You know, and and it's like the only good tip that I've seen in this entire thing so far is blind review, specifically blind review your mistakes. Mm -hmm. And we could have started with that. We could have just said, hey, what questions are you missing? Not what type of questions, what actual questions? (laughs) Like start with one question. What question did you miss? You picked a wrong answer. You failed to pick the right answer. I guarantee that question makes perfect sense if you read it carefully. You didn't read it carefully. You need to do the question again, and you need to get it right this time, and you need to like recognize what kind of a mistake you're making and figure out how to avoid that mistake next time. But that's like the only tip for logical reasoning. None of this other bullshit. <laughs> it's all counterproductive. We do need to clarify one thing here. I think, and if you use Seven Sage out there, please feel free to correct me, but I think that Seven Sage encourages people to blind review every single question. So you finish the section, you go back to question one, and you do that question again in the absence of knowing whether it was right or wrong and decide whether you were right the first time around. Whereas when we think of blind review, we're primarily thinking about questions that you got wrong or questions that you struggled on 
in the timed section that you actually worked on and you know you want to look at it one more time before you check the answer. And there, there just shouldn't be that many that you missed. I mean, like your job, put 35 minutes on the clock, turn off the timer so mm-hmm. that you don't have to look at it. Do your best. And if you're a novice, maybe you only make it to 10 or 12 questions in 35 minutes. Mm-hmm. But you figure them out before you move each one. You figure each one out before you move on to the next one. If you do it that way, then you're actually doing the test. You're solving the questions one at a time. You're figuring it out. You're actually understanding it. And then there's no need to blind review the ones that you got right because you took your time and you solved them. Yeah. The ones that you miss or the ones that you... <laughs> You know, maybe you just get totally lost and you flag it and and guess. If you got that one right from a random guess, then yeah, you should redo that question. But I mean, even a total rank novice in 35 minutes, if you take your time and actually feel good about your answers, <laughs> like eliminate four wrong answers, and choose one right answer that you feel good about. I mean, right out of the box, you know, even the the student who's not like a savant, like the not the not the most promising of our students, even that student should still get like eight out of twelve in thirty-five minutes. You know, <laughs> like. Yeah, they make sense if you figure them out. And if you just do it that way, then okay, good for you. You, you, you solved eight of them. That's 66% of the ones you attempted. That's great. That's I mean, that's a good first step. And then now you've got four questions that you that you missed. And yeah, you should absolutely dig in to each of those blind. But what's the point of going back and blind reviewing the entire damn section? How much time do people have? Like these strategies seem built for somebody who's going to take two years to study for the LSAT, which some people take that long, but most people don't. All right. Now we're going to get to the highlighted part. Katya says, this is the part that made her think about us. So this, this is still the correspondent from seven Sage. Okay. (laughs) After all that phase one through five, this correspondent gets around to, For me, the thing that catapulted me from the minus five to the minus two range was actually just throwing away all the strategy and tips I learned out the window. Things like for weekend questions, you should expect this this type of answer or always choose a weakly worded answer for a necessary assumption were what was holding me back from getting better. The moment I let go of all my question type strategies was the moment I started getting better. It's good to let the question stem guide you to a certain degree, but the most important thing is to read what's on the page in front of you and to understand what the text is saying. Now we're getting into the good stuff. That's really interesting. I mean, we <laughs> would agree with with all of this. <laughs> yeah, like there are some technicalities and it is true that necessary assumption questions tend to prefer more weakly worded answers. But it's foolish to read that question first, see that it's a necessary assumption, 
and then just dive into the answer choices looking for weak language like that will definitely hurt you. Which is what all this theoretical bullshit causes people to do. Uh, you got to keep reading. This is like, <laughs> this is an interesting like insight into someone's reflection on what they learned from their experience <laughs> yeah. because they contradicted what they said in phases one, two, three, well, I guess uh, at least one they, and two. They're not intending to give advice of go through all these phases, but they are though. They, they wrote it as if they were giving advice. Uh, maybe that's what they were doing. This is just what I did. They want to take us on the journey as opposed to just taking us to the conclusion. Y yeah, but right, the conclusion is disregard everything I just wrote. <laughs> um, it's like one of those stupid uh, quizzes. Have you seen, you remember in elementary school when the teacher, mm. the smart ass teacher gives you that quiz. That's like the step one, read this entire page before you do any of the questions. Oh, yeah. And then it's like Some number like... one, number two, number three, number four, number five. Number, and then number nine is like only do question number 10, question <laughs> number 10, write your name and hand in the paper. Yeah. You know, it's like, haha, like gotcha. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like, just the lesson is read the fucking instructions, which, I mean, I guess yeah. that's a good lesson. I'm not sure any student ever actually got that lesson out of that <laughs> quiz. I think the lesson most people get is, oh, so the teacher's a smart ass dick, but. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway. You got my back. Got it. Thanks. <laughs> um, okay. So this, yeah, again, the seven sage post continues. Um, there's an infinite amount of diversity in the written language and hard and fast rules won't be able to help you for the questions that stray from what JY calls cookie cutter. JY is the seven sage guy. Yep. Once I understood the test makers are testing your ability to read and to reason rather than your ability to employ testing strategies, I was much more able to adapt to specific question types. That's awesome. Yeah, that's Congrats. why you shouldn't read the fucking question first. <laughs> like, because if you read the question first and you immediately start spinning off into these, like, question type specific strategies, then you're, like, missing the big picture, which is, Hey, let's read the argument and understand what they're saying and understand what's going on here and get, get the big picture. And yeah, yeah. The answer, the question, the answer does have, I mean, the, the answer we choose has to answer the question and question types can be helpful, but starting with that, it just leads you down this completely wrong path of an over tech, overly technical approach. Uh, okay, so that continues. Additionally, I started doing all of my pre-work for the question before even looking at the answers. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> the answer choices, four out of five of them are wrong. You can't look at the answers too quickly. I try to summarize the argument in my head and then have an idea of what I'm looking for before I look at the answers. Yeah, because you can predict the answer like on logical reasoning what half the time yeah on predicting the right answer or describing the flaw before looking at the answers helped uh, enabled me to be swayed and uh, this is a bad broken sentence i think it says not i think it's supposed to be not predicting the right answer or describing yeah. the flaw before yeah. looking at the answers enabled me to be swayed slash manipulated by what the wrong answers were saying <laughs> 
Um, this post goes on and, and it says basically like I unlearned all the jargon and technical bullshit and or when I did learn the jargon and technical bullshit, my score actually went backward. Yeah. Which is really like that's kind of all that's what we're all about is that the test makes perfect sense on its face if you read it carefully. Yep. And there will be some of the questions where a bit of technical, like a bit of theory might help you to understand what the test makers are trying to do. Um, but you don't need to like memorize definitions. You don't need to memorize, you know, like if you, if you're going in thinking, Oh, let me, let me memorize these tables of like answer choice strength or something. Yeah. (laughs) It's just not about that. It's about answering the damn questions. It's not even like, you know, you said you don't need to do that, but I would go further and I'm sure you'd agree that you don't want to do that because as soon as people start thinking about those things, then when they read the passage, that's what they're focused on as opposed to what the passage is actually saying. You know that study where the 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 guy dressed up in the gorilla suit yeah. walks through the basketball game, yep. right? They're like playing basketball yep. and they're like, hey, watch how many times the white team passes the ball to each other. Yep. And so people are doing that and a gorilla dressed man walks through the game and people don't see the gorilla at all. Yep. And then, um, but so anyways, my point is, is that when you're asked to focus on something, you start focusing on something. And so when we start talking about these definitions and uh, whatever it is yeah. that, you know, these books are laying out, people can't even stop themselves yeah. from seeing those things so prominently in the argument that they actually miss the gorilla, which is the problem in the argument, right? There's some problem in yeah. the argument and they're not trying to understand it. Instead, they're focusing on these terms. I've never thought about it this way before, but that's again with reading the question first is exactly that. It's inviting you to focus on something yep. other than what you really you're, need to focus you're on. You're counting which is how many times the white team passed the ball mm-hmm. and you fail to catch the like <laughs> giant gorilla in the argument, you know, like the just mm-hmm. there's some glaring flaw or some just huge hole, but you're like, no, because I'm looking for a necessary assumption, which is the one that if it's false, then the argument will fail. And I'm trying to negate the necessary assumption of the, what <laughs> it's like, yeah. yeah. Okay. But did you read the damn argument? Cause it doesn't fucking make sense. Yeah. And yeah. like the reason why the argument doesn't make sense is the answer to the question. Mm-hmm. Almost always on logical reason. Yep. Yep. And, and, you know, if, if it turns out that there's no argument, well, you recognize that as well. Yeah. And then you, you're or, primed to say, well, I bet they're going to ask me for what must be true. And lo and behold, they just did or they do something else. But it's you're you're anticipating where the test is going based on your solid understanding of what you or just it's read. a good argument. Like or if it's you, a good if argument. You recognize- yep. And you're like, wow, that's legit. OK, yeah. what are they going to do now? Did the argument Parallel actually reasoning? make sense. One out of ten. Yeah. Excuse me. One out of ten times or something. But if it does makes sense then you have to recognize that the argument actually made sense this time yeah but you got to be looking Mm -hmm. for the gorilla first you know if you just said like you could take kindergartners and you could say hey watch this basketball game and tell me what happens (laughs) right if that was the instruction they'd be raising their hands oh my gosh that was a gorilla in the game yeah (laughs) but if you ask college students 
to count the number of passes, you know, how many times does the white team pass the ball or whatever, then yeah. like educated, smart adult people will not catch the gorilla. Um, boy, I feel like we beat a dead horse about this, but the question first thing on logical reasoning is a big indicator of an overly theoretical technical approach that yep. is going to distract you and confuse you and waste your time. And uh, so that's like our poster child for shit you shouldn't do. Since that's our poster child for shit you shouldn't do, when we hear people teach, read the question first, it's pretty easy to just go ahead and throw out the bathwater <laughs> and the baby there. It's like, okay, this is let's start over. Yeah. Because that ain't good. If they're teaching you to read the question first, that is, that is not, they're teaching you all sorts of other bullshit that's not good. Yeah. Okay. Anyway, thank you, Katya, for writing in. Appreciate you sharing that. Um, boy, it sounds like that poster on Seven Sage, like they finally got there. They got there despite, <laughs> it sounds like getting advice to the contrary. So, what does that say about the discovery, right? When you say, hey, this is the path I want you to follow, and they go down that path, and then they're like, wait a sec, I actually think this path is better. It really kind of says something about the original advice, right? Like, it's, it's, not, it's not like you're favoring that bi advice because you were biased by it or biased to it because it was given to you first, right? You actually came to it yourself. Yeah, anyway. it's just a shame that this person and so many other people have to get there by this long, painful, convoluted process, you know? Like, yeah. we, we talk to people all the time who scored 160 on their first practice test, then did Kaplan for four months and scored 155. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and it's like, oh, man, I, I'm so sorry, because you you learned a bunch of garbage yeah. That I mean it, it's not it's not just that it doesn't help. It can actually take the most promising, most talented candidates and turn them you know and cause them all kinds of misery. Yeah. All right, you ready for this next one from uh yeah. Hennessy from Oklahoma? Hennessy, let's do this. Ben, Nathan and Demon Team. I've been listening to the podcast since November 2021. And I'm a huge fan. Even when I'm not able to study, I feel like listening to the podcast is the most is almost an equally valuable use of my time. All right, cool. Be careful. I'm I, I mean, I, we have heard from people who only listened to the podcast and improved their LSAT. It's that seems like kind of miraculous. I mean, but I guess you know, to the extent that we just constantly preach, slow down, be careful, read the questions. They make perfect sense. Take your time, <laughs> practice, yeah. figure them out. You know, I, I guess that is the, really the most valuable thing that we can teach and we give it away for free. So I, <laughs> I just, like, I don't want people to fall into the trap of, um, efficiency. Like I, um, about a year ago, maybe I had started a, a little meditation practice and I, I was pretty consistent about meditating every day mm. for 10 minutes. And, um, then one day I like was in a rush or something and I decided, Oh, well I'm, I'm driving. I'm going to put this meditation on while I'm in the car. 
because hmm. you know there there are meditations that you can do with your eyes open and um sure sure and i was like okay so i'll i'll, I'll just do this meditation while i'm you know, in the, in the car or whatever. And then once I did that, like one day, then I, I started cutting the corner, you know, and like, Oh, I'll, I'll meditate while I'm walking, um, to the grocery store or I'll, I'll, I'll meditate again while I'm in the car or I'll, I'll meditate while I'm doing chores or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, you're using the, you know, you're using it as an excuse to not like sit down and, and really study. Um, if you're listening to the podcast, then you're not like sitting there doing an actual LSAT question. Yeah. And there's, yeah. there's really no substitute for that. So we appreciate you, Hennessy. Um, but uh, yeah, don't, don't think that you're going to just listen to the podcast for entertainment and not um, like sit down and actually do the work. And yeah, she isn't saying that exactly, but you're, I, I see what you're saying. Like watch out for that trap. Yeah. Um, she does say, well, even when I'm not able to study, I will say, I mean, to toot our own horn, I do think that there is some power in listening to the podcast <laughs> over and over again, even though we repeat ourselves, if nothing more to just increase that mindset, right? Like stop giving the test so much respect. And sometimes these mindsets, I think, take time to actually become a part of people right like they hear it the first time like yeah yeah okay uh, that sounds great but the next day they're falling right back into that trap of like oh shit like that game was so hard and i need to do how this do i get faster I just, how do i get I've faster got, i gotta finish yeah. the section yeah it's like you got to hear it 15 times and then yeah. you're like okay i'm really i'm really starting to understand the mindset not just the 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 strategies or whatever that you may glean from whatever we're talking about. It's like, we want you to really feel this on a, in a visceral level deep, right? It's like, okay, I actually don't respect this test. Um, I'm just going to do what I want to do and do the best I can. Anyways. Um, Hennessy continues. I'm looking for some advice. I graduated undergrad in May of 2020 and joined Teach for America in St. Louis for a two-year commitment. Okay, so that's coming to an end soon. Um, I know TFA, Teach for America, is deeply flawed. Don't get me started on that. I don't know anything about that. I don't know either. What's wrong with Teach for America? I don't... Hmm. Okay. I started teaching elementary school in August of 2020. I was transferred to another school district for the 2021 to 2022 school year. My current plan is to continue teaching elementary school for one more year, okay, through 2023, and apply for the fall 2023 admission to law school. Here's my dilemma. Teaching might be the death of me. I love my students in the new school district, but this is hard. Mm. I was a first-year teacher during COVID in an urban school district in a city with an especially flawed public education system. Between the hours I worked and the physical and emotional toll that teaching takes on me, I feel spent. I'm struggling to consistently study for the LSAT to be on track to apply for fall 2023. And let's see. Oh, wow. Your cold, she says, my cold diagnostic was a 158 and I'm shooting for a 172. Should be doable. <laughs> yes. Yeah, okay. Too specific, yeah. but... 14 point improvement. I mean, 158 is a great diagnostic. That the cold, cold diagnostic of 158 is awesome. You should be at 165, like almost overnight. And then 
from there, it's a matter of like getting six or seven more questions. Um, probably just need to perfect your logic games. That doesn't, that's not a super uphill battle. Yeah. So, um, Hennessy continues, I've considered switching to a less all-consuming job that will allow me to focus on my law school applications to apply for fall 2024 admission instead. Wait, what? That doesn't make sense. Okay. What? I mean, you need to have your applications in fall of 2022 if you want to start law school in fall of 2023. Between now and September of 2022... They're going to offer the LSAT six times. Uh, I, I get it that your job is hard, but study for an hour a day. I mean, maybe you can half-ass it like everybody else in your especially flawed public education system. I mean, I know you don't want to do that, but like you're, you're there fighting the good fight. Like you can't, you're not going to solve that problem all by yourself. If you did a high quality hour every day, I, I think you could get there in time. And, and if you're, if you're going to switch jobs, this is the part that really doesn't make any sense. I'm considering switching jobs that would allow me to focus on my law school applications to apply for fall 2024 admission. Wait, what seems like, well, I think, yeah, it sounds to me like she has two, two solutions, right? One is to go to an easier job and then allow her to focus on her oh, applications. It's just a and bad apply. Sense. Mm, yeah, maybe. Or, or she's like combining the solutions together. Another solution is to finish out her term and then apply in 2024 or apply in 2023 for 2024. But um, I mean, I don't know if any of this matters because she, she says, I'm very hesitant to do this because I initially intended to teach for two years and I have already ex already extended it to three when my initial plan was to go to law school immediately after undergrad. Yeah, but that doesn't, one, who cares? See, yeah, none, none of this matters. I, fall I was just going to finish it out. Mm -hmm. I was talking to my class about this the other night. I sometimes struggle when plans change. It's hard for me to change plans sometimes. Um, I don't know why, but I have this thing where like if I had a plan and then I have to change that plan, I just feel discomfort. I, I, I don't like it. I don't know why. But I, it's like I you that's a there's just like this sunk cost fallacy going on there right where it's like yeah yeah that was your plan but that plan doesn't work anymore so you're gonna have to do a different plan and when i pull the trigger and make the change i immediately like feel better yeah but i can have like a month of angst about this impending change of plans yeah. But I mean, it's like this, she's necessarily backward looking like the, the, whatever you had intended to do. Yeah. That's a different you. That's a different time. That's a different, that's not, that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> like we are here now today and you have to decide what you're going to do in the future. What happened in the past or what you had previously planned is just not part of the, that just has no business. That's not part of your analysis. If you're thinking about this clearly. Sure. She continues, I'm wondering what that switch in careers would do to my law school applications. Who cares? I, nothing. I already switched districts, which I don't think oh is a point God, in my who favor. Who cares? 
Of all also the hoped... things they're not going to care about. That is... <laughs> what? They give no yeah. shits about that. No. Yeah, I also hope to write about my time as a teacher in my personal statement, which could be tricky if I change jobs now. No. Okay, so what? here's what you... I think what this is like just reflective of um, or an example of something that everyone seems to struggle with. You are hyper familiar with your situation yeah. and everything that's going on, and you have this creeping sense that <laughs> as soon as you start, you know, writing a personal statement and sending in an application, that the person on the other side of that transaction is going to be like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! What's going on here? What's going on there?" They don't have the time or day to put all the pieces together. They're just going to look at your personal statement. They're going to look at one vignette or maybe two from your life, and they're going to try to decide whether you are a kick-ass potential attorney or just someone who's lost and mildly confused about the point of this application. That's it. They're not going to put all this stuff together. Yeah. No one should worry about their personal statement. It's not a confessional. The personal statement is your best snapshot it's the yep, one, it's, it's not your whole fucking camera roll. It's the one that you're going to put on Tinder. It's like the one good one. <laughs> like you I was going to say Instagram, but yeah, Tinder or whatever. <laughs> or whatever. I mean, it's like, it's, this is the one that you, you're going to, you're going to show them a page and a half snapshot of you kicking ass. And yep. like you, you could switch districts four times. I don't fucking care. That can look great on a personal statement. Listen, they don't know why you're switching. Maybe you're getting promoted to a harder district. They, well, they don't have any clue. Or you're, you're just too going, self-conscious. You're like, oh, this was too easy. I wanted to get to the front lines. Like, I, whatever. You can tell them any story you want about why. Or better yet, don't don't explain it. No, right? It, just <laughs> tell a story from one of those districts. There's a hundred different ways you can do this. And Hennessy. You're fighting the good fight. You're you're a fucking warrior. You're a Teach for America teacher in urban fucking St. Louis. Like the fact that Teach for America is flawed and the fact that St. Louis is fucked up and urban St. Louis school district is fucked up. That's nothing but good for you. You can craft this personal statement in infinite different ways that make you look like a badass. Yep. I think you should take care of your physical and emotional health. I think that you, you know, you, you should put LSAT studying first because that's the thing that's really going to matter for law school admissions. You should stop worrying about your personal statement and stop worrying about your resume and stop like the, the, they don't care that you switch districts. They don't care that you switch jobs. They don't care that you took three years instead of two or four years instead of three or that none of that, none of it matters. You have to get yourself to the LSAT that you know is going to get you the scholarship you want and you should do whatever it takes to do that. But I don't see any reason why you can't still apply in the fall of 2022. You have an awesome diagnostic. I mean, like worst case scenario, you quit your job today, go get a job at Starbucks. Starbucks is paying $18 an hour or whatever. Go work at Starbucks and focus, you know, like take care of your physical and emotional health, work on your LSAT apply this fall with a 172 and put all this behind you, you know, or switch districts and take another year or whatever, but you're, you're blowing this up into a more dramatic, like the LSAT is, it should not be that difficult. Well, I don't disagree about your, you know, idea to just like 
put all this stuff behind her and focus on fall of 2023. But as you're talking about it, I don't even want to, I don't even want to talk about that date. I just want her to focus yeah. on get the best LSAT score you can get when that happens. How do you take care of, as you said, her mental health and her physical health? Those two things. If you go, if you get those two things in order, it's going to be easier for you to study. Then you start studying, and if you get the score you want, great. Then you're done, and you can turn your focus to the applications. If you don't have it yet, then just keep working on it. It's like goal one, take care of your mental and physical health. Goal number two, get the best LSAT score you can get. Goal number three, we can worry about that once you've taken care of those first two goals. It's really like you're focusing on goal one and, and a little bit on goal two, and then that's it. Gotta, that's all you have to worry about. You got to protect the asset first. The asset is yep. you, Hennessy, and you know, you're specifically complaining about your physical and emotional health. You, you, you got you to gotta fix that. Like that's, yep. you, you have to do that first. Put the put the mask on yourself first before trying to care <laughs> for others and like on the plane. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. you're not going to fucking fix COVID. You're not going to fix teach for America. You're not going to fix St. Louis like that. You're not, I mean, you're, you're, you're doing your part, which is great. But like, I think you probably, because you want to go to law school, it seems like you want to contribute to society in a different way. And the best way you can do that at this point <laughs> is to focus on your health so that you can get the LSAT you need. And then all this other shit just doesn't like that can all come later. I mean, you know, and we're not even saying this, by the way, to be selfish. Like some people might hear this and be like, oh, take care of yourself. Like, what about taking care of other people? You're taking care of yourself so you can take care of other people and whatever goals you have in your life. Yeah. The purpose you're of putting the mask on like... first is so that you can save your baby. Yeah. But if you put the yep. mask on the baby first, you're both going to die. Yep. So <laughs> you put the mask on you first because you're the capable adult person. Then you put the mask on the baby and hopefully try to save your, save both of you. I mean, this, I wonder if there's a sabbatical Hennessy, just a random idea, but like, or COVID, like what if you just say, Nope, I'm tapping out. Fuck it. I'm done. I'm done. I'm not doing this. Like, what if you just say, I'm not coming to work for three months because I mean, I'm not saying you should do that. I'm just saying, is that a possibility? Because in three months you could very likely be in the one seventies. Yeah. I mean, my, my inclination is to, or my preference is to look at whatever you've explicitly committed to and maybe finishing out that commitment and then to the extent you've actually committed to it and then, then doing whatever's next. Um, I guess, but, but I, I, you know, we are talking about teach for America here, which I, I, I don't really know anything about teach for teach for America. I do know yeah, yeah. that young people, I mean, like law firms, for example, are going to get you to make these wild commitments. Mm -hmm. Like you're committing that you're going to work there for two years or whatever. Ah, uh, come on. <laughs> like they have no commitment to you to keep you around for two years. If, yeah. if, if there was like an economic crisis or whatever, or they lost business for whatever reason, they would let you go in a heartbeat. They'd, they'd give yeah. you severance. They'd get three weeks pay or whatever, and you'd be gone. And yeah. so 
you have to take care of yourself. You can't ruin your physical and emotional health for two years just because you made that commitment. I don't care. Well, I think I feel like she's already done with that commitment. I, I guess I'm looking at like, okay, how can you exit respectfully, but still, you know, presumably as quickly as possible? Because it doesn't. I don't see how you can take care of yourself in this position. It sounds awful. I mean, you you know, you said you called Teach for America deeply flawed. Then you called your actual city especially flawed in their public education system. Mm-hmm. Maybe you just shouldn't be there. Yeah. You know, maybe you're not actually helping. You're trying to help, but maybe this is a system that can't be helped. And I don't know that that's the case. You're the one who's telling me how flawed it is. I'm just saying like, you don't have to be there. There there's a, you know, in the multiverse, (laughs) there's a scenario where you don't go to work tomorrow. Yeah. And it's not going to be the end of your life. It's not the end of your, it's not the end of your law school path. You literally don't show up. So? (laughs) So what? Like, you're still going to go to law school for free. So, yeah, I mean, I I just, I'm encouraging you to take care of you. Yeah. Goal one, take care of you. Goal two, take care of your LSAT score. I I don't really even want to think about anything else at that point. Take care of those goals, and then you can look to decide what to do next. That's what I would say. Anything else? There's a last paragraph, I guess. Oh, okay. She writes, I know you won't want to recommend to me if I should change jobs or not. That's a wild question to ask two podcasters who don't know me. Nah, quit your fucking job. Everybody, quit your job. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) like It is totally fine. You could quit your job today. It does not, that will not hurt your law school applications. I, I'm um, not telling you to do it, but I am giving you permission to do it. Like if you're like, if you're worried, oh no, because that's going to look bad on my personal statement. What? You get to write your personal statement. Yep. Oh no, that's going to look bad on my resume. Yeah. Okay. That's the fifth most important thing in your law school application. Take care of your physical health. Take care of your emotional health. Get two more LSAT points. And then the world's best resume no longer matters. Yep. All right. She, I mean, she concludes, thanks for your time in creating the demon. Y'all rock. <sighs> Likewise, Hennessy, thanks for listening. Um, you want to take this next one from, looks like John. This is from John. It says, hey guys, I'm listening to your podcast for the first time tonight and I stumbled upon some things that have hit very close. The first was about applying to law school in Tennessee with a record, a criminal record, that is. And the second was about another John who was asking about veterans' benefits. I think I could clear up a lot of this because veterans' benefits are tricky, and I am in a very similar position right now. I think I have some good offer. Sorry, I think I have some good info you could offer veterans. I am not sure if you've covered this before, though. I took away that there was a strong urge from you guys to insist people don't pay for law school, but I still got a sense that you discourage a lot of people from even going to law school in general. (laughs) You got that right. You got that right, John. (laughs) That's because it sucks. It's Um, not a sense. It's a reality. (laughs) Yeah. And it's not just that law school sucks. It does. But it's that legal practice sucks. And uh, it's you got to be the right exact special type of crazy person. 
And I, some of my best friends fit that description, but most people don't. And, um, I would say, yeah, over 50% of the people that I talk to on a daily basis, in my opinion, should not go to law school. Um, I guess first I'll let you know about myself. I'm a 41 year old veteran, a felon, high school dropout, drug addict, first generation college graduate and organ transplant recipient. I'm assuming the felony and the drug addiction are in the past. Um, okay. So here's some info. Don't, don't tell your, (laughs) don't tell the admissions committee about yourself in the same way. Yeah. I mean, you are going to have to acknowledge all of these things on the, on the applicant. Well, not drug addiction probably, but felon. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's like part of your criminal record. You're, you're going to have to, yeah. you're going to have to acknowledge that, uh, organ transplant recipient, you know, that, yeah, that one is like, okay, well, why is that why? relevant? It's not relevant. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Veterans benefits. I did my undergrad in finance at the university of Tennessee and had no intentions of going to law school because I didn't want the debt. I was going to school under the post 9-11 GI Bill, Chapter 33, which pays 100% tuition and a book and supplies stipend on top of a substantial housing allowance while you're attending school. Okay, that's a good deal. So John, after dropping out of high school and having all these problems, um, he then under the, like much later under the GI Bill, goes back and gets a bachelor's in finance uh, and doesn't have to pay. That's great. This benefit only lasted 36 months, and since I changed my degree, I wasn't going to have enough GI Bill benefit to finish my bachelor's. So I switched to another program that is available to veterans with a disability rating of a certain percentage called VR&E, which is Chapter 31. VRD pays 100% tuition, books, supplies, parking pass, housing alliance, and hell, they'll even buy you a computer. Cool. Okay. So we've got two chapters, two programs. Well, we, but we have one bachelor's in finance that he didn't finish. So he's still without a bachelor's, which is going to be a critical step for law school. I, Wait, I thought he said he was a college graduate, so I'm confused. Okay. Um, first generation college graduate. Yeah, so I guess he eventually did. But at this point in his story, he has not yet graduated. I'm just trying to follow the yep. steps. The, the arc. Okay. <laughs> I found out that since I had at least one day of my GI Bill benefit available still, that I could transfer to this other program and have all the GI Bill benefit that was used for my degree returned to me. Wow, that's a bad use of Uncle Sam's money. I mean, good for John for taking advantage of the program, but like, if you go, you get all the way up to almost graduating, and then you're just like, nope, I'm going to switch to this other program. Give me all that money back. That, but I mean, it's like, you know, Uncle Sam doesn't get that money back, right? Like that money went to the Does school. Does that actually work that way? <laughs> Okay. I don't know. It's not surprising to me that this, you know, program would be uh, subject to people taking full advantage of it. Not not saying that yep. in a bad way, just saying that's a lot of money that the, you know, government is paying out for not getting John his degree yet. Um mm-hmm. 
weird that you can stop one day short and get 100% reimbursement of all those funds, but that's the game, I guess. Essentially, VR&E paid for my bachelor's, and now I have almost all of my GI Bill available to me again. Yeah, see, that's the weird thing. So John was able to go like all the way almost up to graduation and then get all that money. He's going to be able to do that again. He's got, still got the GI Bill is what he's saying because this other program paid okay. for his bachelor's. Got it. The only issue I have now is that it has to be used before June of 2025. Uh, veterans who got out before 2013 have to use their benefit within 15 years or it expires uh, veterans after 2013, if you got out after 2013, you don't have that restriction, but John apparently does. Okay. Unfortunately for me, I was going to school while I was on dialysis and during my transplant, then had to take two semesters on zoom U, and it really impacted my GPA. Any thoughts about that part? <laughs> Sounds like, well, I, Sorry, John. It just it just feels like you're deflecting the responsibility for your low GPA to these external factors, Zoom you and so forth. Yeah, I just wouldn't share that information. I mean, the dialysis and the transplant stuff. Like, I, I don't, I don't, I don't think that that's not helping your case in anybody's mind. It's just like an nope. excuse for you know you're you're like making excuses for things that I don't even know what we're making an excuse for. Um, I really dislike, especially these days, people blaming bad grades on Zoom. Um, the reality is that much of law school these days is taught on Zoom. And it probably well, will be for like, the foreseeable future. <laughs> you're highlighting an an. Uh, a deficiency in your ability to cope with challenges. That's all. Like, I don't care what the excuse is, whether it's Zoom you or whatnot. It's like, oh, my GPA suffered because of this. It's like, well, all right. You're making yourself sound Why? like an old person, kind of, too. Like, I'm older than you by five years, John. But, like, when I hear people complain about Zoom, I'm like, okay, all right. So, <laughs> you know, new. it's like, I don't know get off my lawn type of shit. What's wrong with Zoom? It's a reality of 2022. So yep. what? I, I don't like, I don't think you got bad grades because how, how is it that Zoom led to bad grades? Explain that to me. Zoom caused you to get bad grades because what? Like, you know, I mean, because the next step there is like, well, I had a hard time focusing when I was sitting at home watching the classes. Okay, so you had a hard time focusing on a teleconference? That's not a feather in your cap. <laughs> like, that's not going to help. I mean, what do you think law school is going to be? What do you think legal practice is going to be? Like, they do straight up court online now. So... I. I, I like that. I just, I, it's like, again, it's just like, I appreciate John is like sharing everything, but I kind of, you want to just be careful who you're sharing this stuff with, uh, because if any of this makes it into the law school application, I just think it ends up being red flags. Yeah. We see 
far too many excuses on our on law school applications, right? Or on pe- people send us drafts of personal statements and stuff that have like 10 excuses. Mm-hmm. And they, they do not have the effect that you think they have on your reader. Yeah. Okay. I am now in a rush. I know you guys love this. To get into UT, that's University of Tennessee, for 2022. So I'll be taking the LSAT in March and hoping for a good score on my first attempt. I've been spending the last two months learning the exam and practicing old exams. Hopefully this works out. Now the reason why, John has a concrete reason why he's rushing here. He's trying to get the money. He wants to, he has to be done with his GI Bill funds what did he say? By 2025. So if he starts in 2022, yeah, then he'll be he'll able to graduate three years. three years and he'll be able to graduate and use all that GI yep. money. So I get it. That, that, that does totally make sense. It's another way to go for free. Exactly. It's another way not to pay for law school. Yep. Um, you guys talked a bit about, quote, why would you want to do that? Exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point regarding becoming a lawyer and going to law school. So now, now this is, we're now, we're now shifting gears into like motivations for <laughs> Why going we're to going. law school. I mean, the sure. truth is I just don't care. I don't care. <laughs> like I can help you get in. I can help you go for free. I can try to talk you out of paying for law school, but like your motivations for going to law school, that's your life. I, I don't, not, well, I, I guess I do care to the extent that they're bad and they tend to be bad ideas most of the time, right? Bad reasons. Yeah. And so it's like, hey, like, think about that again. Are you, like, is your reason <laughs> I guess you want to do this kind of stuff? If you're asking me my opinion, then sure. But like, otherwise, I don't, I don't know. I'm just not, I don't think that law school is a very good idea for most people whatever your motivations are, that's your motivations. I mean, I don't know. Anyway. So John says my father was in and out of the system my whole life. I never really knew him. And he ended up killing himself out of he, after he got out of a prison stint for a bank robbery. Jeez. I've read his letters and I used to dismiss his claims about how bad the system was and how hard he was trying. But then I got busted with felony drug possession and experienced it for myself. Go ahead and leave all this out of your application to law school. Um, they do not want to hear you complaining about the system. They don't want to hear about, you know, sad story. Like you, you can, you want to put your best foot forward and, um, you know, your, your dad's suicide is tragic and it, it's just probably not the thing to share in my opinion. Agreed. Uh, luckily I had veterans programs and benefits to help me or else I'd be in this system too. And maybe I can help one person navigate the bullshit. So, okay. So John wants to be a criminal defense attorney or a prisoner's advocate of some sort. That's great. Cool. That's, that is very, um, that's fighting the good fight right there. That's some hard ass discouraging work. I'm sure it is extremely rewarding uh, uh, in the cases where you actually do get to help somebody. Um, 
Everyone has their own motivations. And for me, you guys came off pretty condescending as a first time listener. Maybe it's not the case, but I got the, I got that feeling listening to a few replies to questions. And I think it's unfair for you guys to question people's motives or desire to attend. I think if you want to tell them to not go, if you're going to take on an impossible to repay debt, that's fine, but you should probably distinguish between the two. Okay, that's fair. I mean, I'm fully willing to own that. Like if I, I, I do not want to be condescending. I, I, um, you've got motivations, John, for going to law school and that's great. I, I really hope you don't pay. I mean, I guess I would comment on people's motives because I feel like, uh, bad motives are going to lead to not bad as in like you're trying to do something nefarious or wrong. I, I mean like poorly thought out motives, right? Like, Oh, I want to do X because of some desire to do whatever. And it's like, um, I think you're going to end up in a job dealing with day-to-day shit that is totally disconnected from your initial motive. And yeah, I want to make a lot of money and save the environment. It's like, like, okay, well that's not, those two things aren't going to happen at the same time. I mean, very, very rarely are you going to like make a lot of money and, fight on behalf of the environment. (laughs) Most likely, if you're going to make a lot of money, you're going to be defending the people who are raping the environment. Yep. If you're, and if you're saving the environment, you're going to be (laughs) working on Well, even like, I don't know, whatever it is. Yeah. Even if it's just saving the environment and, oh, I, 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 I don't want to make a lot of money. I just want to save the environment. Okay. Well, is law school the best path for that? Or is like public advocacy or figuring, you know, working with people who actually do this and trying to understand how they do it. There is a legal component to it, but I don't know. There's this like these assumptions that people hold about lawyers that if you have a law degree, you can do all this stuff. And it's like, but the average Ben, the average salary for lawyers is a hundred thousand (laughs) dollars. Yes, the average is, but uh, that's not the actual number that people get. They Wait, get but a that number lower than that, or they get a number higher than that. Well, yeah, but I mean, the average is a hundred grand. So, like, the average person <laughs> who goes to law school can expect to get a hundred thousand dollars. But they can't. Yeah, you're misunderstanding average. Why? I guess. But, but no, yeah, but explain it a little more, Ben, because I think people like, especially yeah. if they're hearing this for the first time. I mean, it, law schools love to say the average salary for lawyers, uh, average salary is a hundred thousand dollars. What's wrong yep. with that as a metric? Well, well, okay. So a very, very simple number would be like you have two people exiting law school. You have Joe who goes and makes $50,000 or 60, you know, let's just keep it 50, $50,000. And then Sarah who leaves and goes to a big firm and makes $150,000. Yeah, but you know what, Ben? The starting salary at the big firms these days is actually like 200000 I think it's like one hundred and eighty. I thought it was I think that might yeah. be two hundred now. And... The, so the math works out really cleanly if you have two people. <laughs> one of them goes into big law and makes 200 grand. The other yeah. one does not practice law and makes zero. Yeah, you can have that. And too. if you average yeah. the two of those, you get $100,000. Oh, the average is 100000 Yeah. Yeah, but it's a, it's a winner-take-all <laughs> situation. That's the problem. And law schools never talk about the distribution of those salaries. 
It's what we call a bimodal distribution, where there's a small segment of the graduates who go into big law and make big money. And then everybody else, it makes far less than that $100,000 number when they graduate. I mean, somebody like John, who's going to go help prisoners or, or be a public defender, like what do, what do public defenders, first year public defenders make in Tennessee? That's probably something you could Google, but I mean, I'm guessing 50, it's probably around $50,000. Yeah. And so, and well, it, and it's it actually, if you go with the $200,000 and the $50,000, that can kind of explain the $100,000 number because you have a <laughs> oh, then there's fewer the number. Oh, oh, sorry. There's more people making 50. Yeah. Cause it's not two yes. people. It's 10. It's people. not two people. It's, it's like 10 people right. and seven of them are going to making $50,000 and there three of them are going to making $200,000. And so then you end up with an average of a hundred thousand dollars, but no one, no one is making a hundred thousand dollars. They're either making 50 yeah. or, you know, somewhere upwards near 200. Yeah. And so the average is a meaningless number. Yeah. I mean, I, I wanted to, I'm taking John's email seriously, you know, like I, we do not mean to condescend We're we, um, we want to help. And, um, I guess, so yeah, like some of our advice comes off as like certain when there are areas of uncertainty. One of them is veterans benefits. If you're going on a GI bill, you know, then there are reasons to do things like John's doing, like applying late in the cycle. I mean, it still would have been better if he would have gotten going on this earlier, but he's applying super late in the cycle to try to use these GI bill benefits. Okay, great. Like that makes sense. I get it. That's totally like that. I I can see why you're doing that. And this is another route to not paying for law school. Um, John, one thing is that we, we talked to an awful lot of 21 year olds and, um, You know, 21 year olds just like they, they have the like sort of pie in the sky, like, oh, law is a good career for me. Plus I'll get to help people. You know, I want to help people and make a good living. And it's like, Ooh, hold on a second. How much is this going to cost? What kind of work are you actually going to do? Have you ever met a lawyer? Do you know what lawyers do every day? Can you actually stomach doing that? Cause like the lawyers that make money are going to work 70 hours a week on behalf of Exxon Mobil. Yeah. And the, you know, the lawyers who help people are going to work 70 hours a week for $50,000 a year. Like you could literally make more money at Starbucks. Um, so <laughs> I don't know, like the, the that's my fear. And that's the reason why, like I give strong advice is because I just don't want people to graduate with a quarter of a million dollars of debt and uncertain job prospects. All right. You want to take a look at this uh, last concern? Oh, the second thing was applying to law school with a record. I don't think it's an issue with applying to law schools The problem will be with the state bar, which is differ to for every state. Okay. Editing issues here, but I get it. Yeah. The state, you got to call the state bar. I I feel like we say that all the time. You, You have to talk to your state bar and you can, don't be shy. You can go ahead and disclose your felony and exactly what it was for and everything. And when you're talking to the state bar and just ask them, Hey, am I going to be able to practice law? 
Fortunately for me in Tennessee, they look at each case individually. I've been told, it's been told to me from people who has had professional experience with the state bar here that they tend to be more harsh on crimes involving ethics and crimes involving money. I've heard that myself, actually. Um, okay. I, yeah, I think that that's true in real life. That like if you if if like you have a felony for embezzlement, or you have embezzlement, they're worried about that. If yeah. you have a felony for fraud, or like some you know like you're where you're just like clearly taking advantage of people, then that makes sense that the state bar would be like, yeah. Uh, what, like, we don't want to give you license to practice law. I mean, when like the, a license to practice law, my God, there's just infinite ways that you could rip people off. Yeah. And I mean, you want to be a crook <laughs> being a lawyer would be a great way to be a crook. So a lot of them are, yeah. And, and, you know, I think that the state bars also know that somebody like John who got busted with a drug charge, like that's not a crook. That's, that's an addict. And they're going to be like, oh, okay, well, if you're cleaned up now and you did your time or whatever, then um, it's much more likely that they're going to admit you. But as John says, right, they look at each case individually. So as you were just saying, the best advice here is just to call the state bar, figure it out, figure out what your situation is. And and don't borrow money. To do. I mean, I you know, like I, the thing is, too, I'm worried that they didn't give they didn't necessarily give John a clear answer either. Right. It's like, they're not, I don't think they're like have already evaluated his case and they're telling him, Oh yeah, we will admit you to the bar. Yeah. They're telling him we will, if we look at each case individually and you know, you've heard from people who say, well, they're more harsh on ethics and money crimes, which makes perfect sense. But it doesn't, it's not like anybody's going to endorse you. Like no one has said, oh yeah, you're, you're in the clear or anything. Like you don't get pre-qualified for the bar. Not that pre-qualification even means anything, but you know, it's, it's like, um, John's going for free. So I'm not as worried about John. Yeah. But other people, I would be, you know, getting concerned. If hopefully there's not like some, well, Going for free, I, I wonder what the conditions are. Just make sure you understand them all, right? So that your your benefits don't get revoked for some random reason. Um, but other than that, yeah, you should you're protecting yourself quite a bit by not paying. As long as you don't pay, yeah. Like be careful about what you sign. Look at the fine print for everything you you know, all these documents. This is the beginning of your legal career. You should read these documents and know what you're signing up for. But if you've got GI Bill money that's going to pay for this endeavor, then awesome. More power to you. And uh, if you want to go fight on behalf of prisoners, um, that is awesome. And I totally respect that. Um, and good luck. Yeah, good. good <laughs> best of luck to you. That is certainly fighting the good fight. Let us know what we can do to help. Yeah, and thanks for writing in and telling us what you think. Um, if you want to be LSAT famous like John and everyone else on the show today, email us at help at thinkinglsat.com. If you have questions about LSAT Demon, email help at lsatdemon.com. You can also check out our daily podcast, LSAT Demon Daily. That was episode 334 of the Thinking LSAT podcast. Thanks all y'all for listening. Nice knowing you. Don't pay for law school. <laughs>